Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles. They are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name, and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart is a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. 
in like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai. And he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yeshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained 
there is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be 1 John, the third chapter. That will be read by Dr. Vercel Mack from our Oakland, California class. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. May we all bow our hearts and minds in just a moment of prayer. And let us thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who has again seen fit to bring us all together just another time so that we may learn and know and understand Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. We just want to thank you, Yahweh, for taking us out of the world and out of a state of complete darkness into your marvelous light. And we have great gratitude in our hearts for all the things that you have done for us. Because we know that we have to believe on you and in Yahshua the Messiah. And you yourself are doing this work. We know that it's the work of Elohim that we believe on Yahshua the Messiah. And we also know that you do not start a work and not finish it. And we know that we've been brought into this class so that our souls can be saved. And we just want to thank you from our hearts for the great sacrifice that you have done through Yahshua the Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection. And we just ask that you make us more and more conscious of your existence in us. And let us realize where our bread is buttered and who's doing the buttering. And we thank you so much in Yahshua, the Messiah, our Savior's most holy name. Let us all say, Hallelujah. 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 Good afternoon. Good evening, brethren. I will be reading 1 John, third chapter. This is the King James Version, 1 John um, chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of Yahweh, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall know. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. 
Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Yahweh was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of Yahweh doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of Yahweh. In this, the children of Yahweh are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of Yahweh, neither is he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of Yahweh, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso have this world's good, and see if his brother have need, and shutteth, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of Yahweh in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, Yahweh is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us, then we have confidence towards Yahweh. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this, is the, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Yahshua the Messiah, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us, by the spirit which he has given us. First um, John, third chapter, hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Mack and Dr. Geller. And our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside, California class and Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Speakers be advised that there will be a five minute sign that will appear on your screen please acknowledge when you've seen the sign. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse, New York class. Hello. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Hello. Hi. Pleasure to be here with you to um, gather together and uh, 
<clears throat> enjoy the fruits of our labor to preach the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. And, uh, you know, I just been very uh, grateful lately to know the truth um, and grateful that Yahshua has shown, um, you know, his uh, spirit and how it is working, how it works and how it could be, you know, in me and how I can tap into those um, attributes. Uh, you know, sometimes you really have to dig deep, you know, and depending uh, <laughs> on some of the things that you go through, had a very uh, emotional and physical difficulties this week, but you know, Yashua gets you through it. And, uh, you know, that's what uh, our scripture is saying. We can pick it up right at one. First John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. So behold, I mean, you know, this is saying something that, uh, you know, like, wow, you know, let's turn it to modern day, you know, language, like, wow, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. So what is that bestowed upon us, but these attributes, you know, love is one of the attributes, and what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. You know, he, we can take that right back to the children of Israel. If somebody wants to pick that up in Exodus where, you know, he said, uh, I think it's in Exodus, might be in Deuteronomy, that he called his one son um, out of Egypt. Can someone find that for me? Here at the children of Israel, it was a whole bunch of people down there um <clears throat> but he called his one son because they were uh, a type and a shadow um you know, being this this old covenant Four twenty-two. is it carl i didn't hear you exodus four twenty-two. exodus four and 22 exodus four and 22 and thus shalt thou say unto pharaoh Thus saith Yahweh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So here we are down here in Egypt in Exodus. And now we're in here in John, first John, you know, we're talking about years and years go by. And now he's calling us that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. So see, it's, it's just overturns and overturns his purpose. You know, it started right back here. And don't we say that the word, can we have the names chart again, Greg, please? See that word, right? <clears throat> when we do the moderation, 
we say that Elohim is the word or son. See, it's just a line that you can run. See, and how Yahweh called the sons of Yahweh. And that's what we are down here is the sons of Yahweh. And it started, you know, right back up here in the, in the cloud in the, the Moses chart there. I'm going to have you switch again. <laughs> Putting you to work, Greg. I really appreciate you um, going back and forth here. You do a great job with these charts. And see Yahweh, Elohim being that son, the coming right out of Yahweh himself being himself, and that's what we say in the moderation. See, this is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. So that, you know, yeah, Dr. Kinley says in, in a lot of the sound clouds that I hear over and over again, I just can't help it, but I just keep listening to him. But he says, you know, <clears throat> that the purpose was instituted right in the cloud or right in the beginning see and it was because he is the son of Yahweh so here it is manifesting down here in Egypt where he says that he's you know Israel is my son so we're picking it right up in John where it says what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of Yahweh you know, therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Who's him? But Yahshua, the Messiah. See, the world just does not know him, does not know Yahshua, the Messiah. You know, and don't they call him, um, the, you know, Yahweh's son, you know? Baby Jesus, you know, is the son of Mary, and they call him the son, not knowing how that the that Godhead uh, works and how that it's a unity. See, that's Yahweh in a body, but yet he is in the sonship degree. See, in that sonship um, manifestation. See, so this Yahshua. See, the world does not know him. You can, um, Greg, um, zoom into that Yahshua on the cross because I want to just show you a principle. See, when we're working with the sun, see, doesn't it say sun down? Well, it says S-O-N down. It doesn't say S-U-N down. It says S-O-N down. And over here with the resurrection, it says sunrise, but it says S-O-N rise, not S-U-N rise. So in other words, he's being he's called the sun. That's why we're called the sun. See, and this is uh, at his resurrection. It's the sons of Elohim. See, resurrected. So let's go back and 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 um <clears throat> and get some scriptures on this because I wanna. <clears throat> Lay a foundation. Sorry, I have to take sips of water because my throat gets so dry. <clears throat> so <clears throat> let's get this Luke 20 and 46.
Loop 20 and 46. Yes. Beware of the scribes who desire to walk in long robes and love salutations. Wait, was that what I want, 46? 20 and 46? Is it, I can't see it on the chart. Is that what it says on the chart? Let me see. Yeah, 2046. Okay. Beware of the scribes who desire to walk in long robes and love salutations in the marketplaces and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief places at feasts. Who devour, yeah. widow, who devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers, the same shall receive greater condemnation. Okay, well, I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. I thought it had, I thought it was when his resurrection or when he, or I'm sorry, no, when he, when he gave up the ghost. Anyway. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm in the right place and I'm, that's not good. Okay. Okay. Well, what I want to do is um, I just want to go back and show you. Okay. So the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. So let me go back and show you how um let's go back to john how that uh <clears throat> i come in my father's name oh john 5246 luke 2346 i have that luke 23:46. When Yahshua had crowd with the loud, cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Okay. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So that's when, that's the dove there, and he sunned down, so he gave up the ghost. So that's what that is, 2346. Okay, um, let's go back to, um, <clears throat> to John. John, tell me again. Yeah, John, come in my father's name. I five, five and 43, Linda. Okay. I am come in my father's name and ye receive me not. If another shall come in my, his own name, him ye will receive. So our scripture is saying that therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. See, another shall come in his own name and him you will receive. So the world did not know who that who he was. Because the world received uh, another shall come in his own name and him you will receive. And didn't the world, isn't the world receiving Jesus and not receiving this name of Yahshua the Messiah? You know, there's so many uh, people that are wish, worshiping, you know, Jesus and not accepting this name, Yahshua, even though it's been shown to them and, and you know, giving them witnesses that that name is the correct and original name of the Savior. But they're so doctrine. They're, they're so inundated in their beliefs that it's Jesus and that they were saved 
and that they had a revelation from Jesus. But see, they they did not know him, you know, and they did not know his name and they don't know his purpose. They don't know what he was doing there. You know, he gave up the ghost. Why? Why was he on the cross? You know, and it says the scripture reading here is, is all about um, sin. And we know, and I, I remember believing that, you know, Jesus died for my sin. And I didn't understand that. I just knew it because it was told to me. But I didn't know why. I didn't know how, you know, and what it was all about, that he died for our sins. You know, but we can show you down here that the reason <clears throat> that he died for our sins is because that law, as it says in here, well, let me see, let me see, you know, man, it's okay. uh, let's pick it. Well, you know what? Who was reading it? Linda, just keep reading the scripture reading. Okay. Please. Um, I'll start at one. First John 3, 1, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, right. beloved, now are we the sons of Yahweh and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So we will see him as he is. And what is he but the Holy Spirit? See, we will know. We should, we will know that that Holy Spirit is within you. We will see him as he is. He is what? He is in you. That's what we're going to know. That's what we should know at the end of this age. Keep going. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Right. And purified, what does that mean? You're cleansed. You're pure, see? <laughs> and that's the hope, hope in him. Purified himself, even as he is pure. Keep going. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Now listen, sin is the transgression of the law. Can I have the carnal ordinance chart? Now we know, and I remember this big revelation I had about the law, you know, and whenever I read anything in the Bible about the law, I always thought that there was only one law. And that, that we were talking about the Mosaic law. But you've got to be careful <clears throat> on what you're reading because sometimes it's not talking about the Mosaic law. You know, it because it says there, let's just keep our finger there and go to Romans. Oh, is it eight or nine? Where it says that... Uh, The law of sin and death make you free from the eighth chapter. Thank you. Maybe six. 
eight yeah i think it's i was gonna say it's not in one it's like five or six it's eight and one is it one yes okay romans eight and one there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who mm -hmm. walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So no condemnation. So in other words, see, this sin, for sin is the transgression of the law. For whosoever committed sin, transgression, sin transgress also the law. Okay, so there's no condemnation now. So keep reading. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So you see how there's two laws? See, so for the law, I'm going to interrupt you. Pick it up again there in two. There is the, uh, for the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah. So the law of the spirit of life, there is a law of spirit. See, of life in Yahshua, the Messiah, that's spirit law. So that's a law, but it's spirit law in Yahshua, the Messiah, has made me free from what? The law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. So what we're talking about here in John, whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law. law talking about the law of sin and death. For sin is the transgression of the law, the law of sin and death. Okay, so go back to the scripture reading. Five, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. See, now, that's why he, like I said before, that's why he got on the cross to take away sin. I knew that. I didn't know how or why he did that. See, to take away sin. Okay, keep going. I'll, I'll Whoso explain. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. So whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. See, that's why, because he took it away. He took away the sin. See. Now that sin, uh, sin of, that was, they're talking about that sin of, of Romans. How does it say it again? I, I'm sorry, my mind. Oof. The law of sin and death. Law of sin and death is on the left side of this chart is the carnal mind, is the Old Testament. This is where sin was all about. See, this old covenant, this law, the Mosaic law is all about sin. And that's why they had these carnal ordinances because they just constantly sinned. They could not keep those commandments. The, the Big Ten, and they had 603 other commandments or ordinances that they were supposed to keep, but they couldn't keep them. Can I get in Deuteronomy 6, I think, and 
uh, oh, if they had such a heart in them. Six and 29, is it? Five Did I get that one right? <laughs> 529, Diane. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 529? Yes, Deuteronomy 5 and 29. That was close. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Oh, see, oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would keep my commandments. See, Yahweh knew they weren't going to keep it. You see, they did not keep it at all. So they, that's where the sin was. See, it was in that old covenant. And that's why Yahshua had to come in and he had to fulfill or take away that old covenant. I did not know that. I, didn't, that. I did not know that that's why he got on that cross. I had no idea. I, you know, we just, oh, poor Yahshua, oh, poor Jesus on that cross. I didn't know. I didn't know that he, why he did that. I just thought, oh, he took away sin. Okay. How? I don't know. Why? I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't think I needed to know. I just thought that I was supposed to just know that he did. See, we just, it was, it's amazing how it had to be by a revelation from Yahshua to open your mind to ask these questions, just like he had to open Moses' mind to even ask the question, well, when I go down into Egypt and, and, re, and, and, free the uh, children of Israel and they asked me what is who sent you what what shall I tell them what is your name and what is your father why didn't anybody ask that question before it had it that was a revelation that was given to Moses to even ask the question what is your name can you believe it? A simple question. What is your name, God? El Shaddai, what is your name? That was a revelation, just like it was a revelation to me to understand what Yahshua was doing on that cross. See, and to take away the sin. What sin? I wasn't there. I didn't do, I wasn't, I wasn't born. I didn't sin. What sin was, what did I do? Well, see the church or the, the religions out there told you, see that you were born with sin from Adam, but that's why I got baptized. I thought I, I thought you you took that sin away when I was baptized. That's why Catholics are baptized, because you were born with that sin from Adam. Okay, so then all those sins that I I made from, you know, adults, from 
being 12 years old on, but I thought that I would go to confession every Saturday and confess to a, a human being or a priest uh, to get rid of that sin. So what sin do I have? You see, to even ask those questions had to be a revelation because I never asked myself those questions before. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of us didn't, you know, we didn't ask ourselves those questions. You know, if you did, then it was, it's a revelation, you know, it's not, it's not something we normally ask ourselves. And those questions are, you know, you have the question and then you get the answer that you can understand that that's why Yahshua got on that cross, see, is to take away all of these carnal ordinances, see, and to bring in that new covenant. So he's taken away the sin. Um, sin, where do we leave off? Six, had not seen him, neither known him. Okay, let's pick it up at seven, and I'll be, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit here. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Mm -hmm. He that committeth sin is of the devil, mm -hmm. for the devil sinneth from the beginning. So the devil sinneth from the beginning, right? We can go right to the revelations, you know, because that's... That's the beginning of time, you know, that John is having a, revel a revelation, see, and showing him how the beginning of time, well, let's go there and we can get the um, uh, ages and dispensations charts because that's really where, there you go, see, the angelic creation the beginning of time. This is a, a chart that shows you a timeline. See, Yahweh's timeline, where it's showing you the ages. See, there's seven ages and there's seven dispensations. And here in the beginning is that angelic creation. So he, he sinned right from the beginning. And that's where that sin originated. See, right from the beginning, which is Revelations, the 12th chapter. <clears throat> Pick it right up. It's uh, 12 and 7. Revelations 12 and 7. And there was, a, there was war in heaven. Michael now listen, I'm sorry. Everybody wants to go to heaven. And I just had this conversation with my niece the uh, last week. You know, and talking about my sister dying and stuff. And, and, you know, we were talking about class and they know Frank and I've been in class for years and she wanted to know what we thought where my sister was. And we got talking about heaven and she thinks that my sister's with my mom and my brother and my uh, my other sister, you know, and my dad and everybody else that's died in our family, you know, and having pasta on Sunday morning. <laughs> and we're trying to tell her that heaven is not a physical place. And she just could not get it. 
Monica because she just doesn't have a foundation and an understanding. You know, she if you're looking at something physical and you can't see a spiritual principle, you're not going to be able to understand when you tell her that heaven and hell are not a physical place, but a state of mind. You know, now this, if you understand that, how does it, how does it start off, Jerry? There was war in heaven. There was war in heaven. Now that is an, what's it called, an oxymoron? Now, if it's heaven and you think heaven is a beautiful place, well, then what the heck is war doing up there? Do you see what I mean? There was war in heaven. It's just, you cannot think that heaven is just this beautiful place, you know? So there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, keep going. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Right. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. So there wasn't any more place found in heaven anymore because Michael and his angels prevailed not. They they won the war, okay? And so there was no more place found in heaven. So what happened to uh, to the dragon and Satan? Verse nine, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Right. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And that's how we got into, you know, this is, this is how, because that mystery of iniquity was cast out into the earth. You know, and and that's why, you know, you turn on your TV and you see, you know, murderers and shootings and all kinds of strange things happening out in this world. See, this is his kingdom. Uh, so where were we? We were in. Uh, yeah. Eight, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. So right from the beginning of time, see that mystery of iniquity, see sin. And then it manifested with Adam and Eve when he was in the garden, set, telling lies. See, and he's just been telling lies all the way down, all the way down to history. See, just lie after lie after lie and like we said here that you know uh yashua you know on the cross and he took away the sin to bring in the new covenant and yashua came in to fulfill and take away that old covenant well the lie that uh dr kinley says that the biggest um lie that mankind, that the mystery of iniquity bestowed upon mankind is that uh, Yahshua came in to institute a Christian way of life. And that is just the biggest lie that the mystery of iniquity has put on mankind. 
Because once you understand that Yahshua came in, see it says end, he ended that physical way of worship. And it was set up all the way down here. This is the law of sin and death. See, because it did not give you a chance, a chance in hell <laughs> to receive that Holy Spirit or bring you into this, past this cross and into the spiritual kingdom on earth. See, did not give you a chance at all unless he brought it to an end fulfilled that old covenant so that it can be put in you see and you have and that's how we are like him now in this covenant not in that old covenant anymore it's in that spiritual covenant now and it's only because Yahshua came in his death his burial his resurrection and poured out his holy spirit in mankind and that we can be called sons as our scripture reading says that we are so so loved the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of yahweh so much love he bestowed upon us that we can become sons of yahweh see uh -huh. and oh so much gratefulness so much mercy he has bestowed upon us that he has done that for us hallelujah right uh -huh. i hope you got something out of that all praise to yahweh and yeah yashua yeah hallelujah thank you thank you dr welch and for our next speaker this afternoon, I will pass it to our president, Dr. Carl Emler. Oh, Dr. Carl Emler will be the president of our Oceanside class. Dr. Carl Emler will be our next speaker. I guess you got it right going both directions. So um, I, would, I, I enjoyed what Sharon had to say and I had hoped she would have taken even more time. She was dead on the topic of this scripture reading. And what I'm going to do is repeat some of the things that Sharon said and then expound on them a little bit. And so we're going back to the scripture reading and um, that's going to, we're gonna start from the beginning. And uh, like I said, I'm going to repeat uh, some of the things that she said to establish that foundation that she's laid because uh, this being a school and I've sat in a lot of lectures both in whatever school I was at high school the various colleges I attended etc and uh, I heard the professor speaking but I did not always understand what he said the first time he said it uh, and particularly if it was new to me, I didn't understand it and had to review it. I took notes. I had to review it. I had to read about it. And I had to know what he said, particularly in the beginning of a course. 
in order that I had a foundation to understand the content of the course up until its conclusion. This course that you're partaking in is uh, the course of God. Everybody, I'm, I, I'm just have to say this, for the most part, if you approach somebody and ask them if they believe in God, uh, many, many, many people will say yes. And if you ask them what they believe about God, in many, many cases, as Sharon's uh, niece uh, witnessed to or manifested, they believe in the way that God has been described by the current religions that we have out in the world, uh, uh, either Christianity, uh, predominantly Judaism, Islam, these various religions uh, have promoted ideas about God that quite frankly are not accurate with respect to where they say they got these ideas from. And so uh, most of the Christians claim to be uh, claim to believe in the Bible and that they believe in the God of the Bible and they do not know anything for the most part about the details of the God of the Bible that they claim they believe in. Uh, Judaism claims that they believe in the God of the Bible, uh, particularly the Old Testament. And yet, uh, when you question them with respect to the God that they adhere to in the Old Testament, what they wind up doing is just expressing to you the stories that they know in the Old Testament, uh, the stories about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the children of Israel, but they do not express to you anything about God, the nature of God. They tell you about the stuff that the people did and how they worshiped God, and they'll give you all the details about the garments of beauty and glory that were um, uh, used on the Day of Atonement and the tabernacle and the temple but they do not give you any information with respect to the origins of the things that they read about in the Old Testament. And I'm trying to do this really slow and I'm trying to do this uh, really um, paced because this is so important that people recognize that the beliefs that they have are not founded in the books that they think they are founded in. And even Islam, who takes their uh, uh, lineage uh, back to Abraham, they share Abraham as a father uh, with uh, the, the Jews. And, uh, and if you talk to uh, people in uh, Islam, 
they will tell you, and they'll use the name Jesus, they will tell you that Jesus was a great prophet of Allah, but that Muhammad was the greater prophet of Allah. And they don't, they do not have a description of Allah any more than uh, Christians have a valid description of God. And it, someone had mentioned recently, I think it was Sean in a class we were in this morning, talked about the muscular God. I had to chuckle when he said that because I knew in his mind he was looking at the Sistine Chapel with the little finger of, of this muscular God uh, pointing to little muscular uh, Adam. Uh, and uh, that's the concept and theory that people have uh, of God would something that's painted on a ceiling in a building. Uh, and so Islam does not describe the nature of the God that they're talking about. Islam spends their time describing on the actions that you should take to please Allah. They do not describe to you Allah at all. Now, remember, they take their lineage, I'm talking about Islam now, take their lineage back to Abraham and uh, in doing so, uh, they bind themselves to uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob, who are, in, in, in a sense, their brothers, uh, uh, Ishmael's brothers, through Abraham. And uh, I won't get into a lot of this, this uh, confusion they have with respect to carnally carnally carrying down these lineages, etc. I just want to make the point that the foundation of the three major religions uh, are based and in, in initially founded in what we call the Holy Bible. And modern day Christians do not know what is in the Holy Bible. They know a few scriptures that are uh, planted in their minds so that they will celebrate Christmas and that they will celebrate Easter. They have nothing planted in their minds with respect to the celebration of Pentecost, so they don't celebrate Pentecost. They have other things planted in their mind which describe how they should act, that is to say righteousness, and those things predominantly are uh, the Ten Commandments. But what we've learned re recently in past classes is that this is very important, that the Roman Catholics have deleted part of the first commandment from the people as it is written in the Bible itself. That is to say, not make any idols because they make idols all over the place and they don't want to stop doing that for whatever reason, whether it's because there's a lot of money in making idols or they're convinced that uh, these people, particularly Mary, and I've said this before, uh, I grew up in a house that had the idol of Mary uh, on, one of, on my mother's bureau in her bedroom. 
Uh, she had blue robe. She was standing on a snake. She had porcelain white features. She was sweet looking. And yet she was tromping the devil, the snake, if you will, that uh, we had told us about in the Garden of Eden. So here we have a concept of a Garden of Eden given to us by Christianity that a snake is there talking to a woman. And now this woman is standing on the snake. We have not been given any concrete information about the operation or the nature of the God we say we believe in. And if you ask a Christian for any of this information, they will not be able to provide it. They will only provide you the, the thoughts uh, of the men who did not understand uh, this Bible as it is written and have created a physical uh, heaven in the sky that looks just like the physical earth, except there aren't, you're not sick. Uh, you're not shooting people, but you're still having pasta on Sunday, I guess is the best way to put it, as Sharon said it. Now, let me uh, uh, go off from this. Go back to uh, the scripture reading with you. We'll start at one again. First John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the son, the sons of Yahweh. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Now, let me just say this. When I was a Lutheran, the minister did not get up there and tell me I was a son of Yahweh. They said, oh, you're all the children of God. We're not talking about children of God in this sense now. We're talking about a son. The significance of the son is that the son... Uh, traditionally has the inheritance. And so we have been called the sons of Yahweh. Now, the we in this case are those who have the Holy Spirit. And we'll get into this in a bit, but I just want to make that point because in Christianity, uh, there is such a predominantly uh, male-oriented uh, concept about relationships with God that women, for the most part, at least particularly in Roman Catholicism and in Islam and in Judaism, I believe, I don't know, Bruce can correct me on that later, but women don't hold these high offices of priests or, uh, or rabbis or imams. They just don't do it. And you know how they're treated in Islam. So this idea of sons is translated into the world as male figures in the flesh. And this is not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with that we are sons of Yahweh or God in this sense. And we're going to delve into this idea of the sons of God or Yahweh a little bit further. But uh, uh, the world doesn't know that uh, because they didn't know how Yahshua was a son of Yahweh. And without them understanding that sonship relationship, they can't understand their own relationship with their creator. And this is a school and we're going to identify these things and work with them. And uh, 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 Greg, give me the Moses chart while I'm going through this, because I'm going to go there. Uh, verse two, Linda. Beloved, now are we the sons of Yahweh, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Now we, we are these sons of Yahweh, but something about this sonship status that we have does not yet appear. And this is going to be significant in order to understand 
the principle of a sonship degree with respect to spirit or Yahweh, and that uh, our sonship status uh, is through Yahshua. He is our advocate. Uh, he is our intercessor. And uh, our sonship degree is through him. We are uh, uh, in Yahshua. We have this uh, relationship in him. And he is our head. And these are very important distinctions to make with respect to the operation of Yahweh's purpose. And uh, so I'm just planting these thoughts in your mind because I'm going to try to fill in these blanks as we go along. Read on here. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever, whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, here's where this confusion comes in. And uh, the other reader, if you would, uh, go back over into Romans, the eighth chapter, in the first verse, hold that for me. And again, I know Sharon covered this, but I really want to make these things concrete. Keep these things in your mind as we go into some of the more... Uh, um, details of this son uh, whom we are. So it says, uh, uh, whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law for sin is a transgression of the law. Now, uh, uh, this law that they're talking about is the law, uh, go read Romans, uh, where it says the spirit of life versus the law of sin and death. Romans, I'll start at one, Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So there are two laws here. There's the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua, the Messiah. And there's the law of sin and death. And Paul talks about this law of sin and death written in tables of stone. He's referring to this old covenant that was given to Israel uh, back here at Mount Sinai. That covenant, that law was the law of sin and death. And what you would read in, I think it's Deuteronomy 6, uh, 24, that if they were to keep this law, uh, it would be their righteousness. Is that Deuteronomy 6, 24? And if it is, could someone get that? Uh, let's see, 624. Yes. Deuteronomy 6.24, and Yahweh Elohim commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he hath commanded us. Now, this was this covenant given to Israel back here at Mount Sinai was life or death. If they broke it, even one of those covenants, uh, they were uh, uh, accused of all of them. 
Uh, and so it was, uh, it wasn't, a, there were no gray areas. There were no mortal sins and venial sins under this covenant. It's just not like that. Mortal sins and venial sins are a theory, concept, and an opinion imposed on people in Roman Catholicism because Roman Catholics know that the people coming to their churches feel condemned because the Roman Catholic priests have condemned them because they know that they have not been able to keep all of these Ten Commandment laws. And so these are condemned people coming to Roman Catholic Church, which is why they have confession, to take that condemnation away from you. Uh, 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 Sharon pointed out that that initial baptism should have done the job, but lo and behold, it did not do the job. And now you got to uh, come and take uh, or come and do confession and before you take communion uh, because you have to be absolved of your sins and you have to do that every week and even uh, more than every week some people go to that little box more than that and so these concepts and theories that have been imposed upon people based on the misunderstanding that these covenants this law of sin and death uh, had a time frame from this point where it was spoken to Israel at the top of this mountain and given to Israel and to Israel only, which is critical in the understanding of the world in order to understand what John is saying here in First John. Uh, this law of sin and death that uh, uh, Jerry read about in uh, 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 Romans, uh, if you sinned, you died. And they had this tabernacle to uh, make atonement for them. Why? Because Sharon had that this read. She had read where Yahweh lamented that, oh, if there were such a heart in them to keep this law, but he knew, Yahweh knew there wasn't that heart in them to keep this law. Greg, give me the carnal ordinance chart real quick for this. Uh, and then I'm going to come back to the Moses chart. Because um, I want to make this very clear to those uh, who don't really, uh, who are visiting us, don't understand how these covenants work. This is clear and clean written in the Bible. This is the God of the Bible that we believe in. The God of the Bible that we believe in gave Israel, the Jews, a covenant written in stone uh, uh, back at the time of Moses. And this covenant was natural, physical, earthly, in other words, it was things, it was do's and don't you did in the flesh, even to the point that uh, if your wife was menstruating, you couldn't sleep with her at that time. They they outlined aspects of your life. They outlined how what food you couldn't couldn't eat. They outlined uh, all everything as far as the Jews was concerned. Everything was dictated by Yahweh. All of these Ten Commandments and the uh, uh, six hundred and three odd ordinances uh, that went along with them, uh, or 613, however many. These laws were natural, physical, earthly. Now, I want you to know that they're temporary. And the fact that this covenant was temporary. Now, listen, everybody is still trying to do this covenant. They're still doing ceremonies. They're still doing suppers, turning crackers and grape juice into the actual body and blood of Jesus. They're still doing water baptism, and they're doing it to babies. 
Sharon, when you were water baptized, you didn't squeak up and say, I repent from my sins of Adam. You didn't even know what was going on. And you didn't even remember that. But this yeah. baptism that John did was to adults who had to repent first. And so they've corrupted even the physical aspect of baptism. I'm talking about Christianity, both Catholics and uh, uh, uh uh, Protestants, if you will. And if, and I was baptized as a baby, and I still don't remember it. Uh, and these circumcisions and suffers and ordinances and sacrifices, these are temporary. Uh, quickly get me Jeremiah 31, 31. And I'm trying to bust my way through this. I'm watching the clock close. So uh, I'm not un unaware of, of where I'm at. So Jeremiah 31, 31, quickly. I'm coming. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, break, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. So this covenant in your Bible states that it's temporary. He says, behold, the days will come when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not N-O-T, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. And then he's very specific. The problem with Christianity is that there is specific uh, information in the Bible that they claim they get God out of and that Christians claim they believe the God from this Bible. And the God in this Bible that you say you believe says this, that that old, the new covenant is not going to be like the old covenant. The old covenant had natural ordinances of righteousness, and it's not going to be that way. Even if you may want to put the Ten Commandments in stone in the front of your state capital, but it's still wrong, absolutely uh, uh, an act of ignorance of Yahweh's purpose to do that. Texas may have wanted to try to put those Ten Commandments in a prominent place in their schools, their public schools, so all students walking through those doors would have to see those Ten Commandments. But this new covenant is not those Ten Commandments. Texas is wrong about that thing, and they are dead wrong about it because they are giving to the people an idea of a way to have life that is not a way to have life. It was a way that Israel was given to have life back under Moses, and they, Israel, were incompetent and uh, incapable of having the life of that covenant. And so Yahweh came in, uh, take me back to the Moses chart now, please, Greg. Yahweh came in uh, and presented with them a tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai and an operation of the priesthood through that tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai that resulted in the uh, uh, um, uh, uh, forgiveness of their sins. Greg, are you there? Uh, give me the uh, Moses chart, if you would. Um, Sorry, Greg. I know sometimes you're running around with these things. Thank you. This tabernacle in the middle of the wilderness of Sinai, which uh, is not 
the tabernacle that's up on the altar in your Roman Catholic Church. This is Yahweh's tabernacle. That little box with a light on when the wafer's in it, it called the tabernacle in the Roman Catholic Church is just a theory, concept, and an opinion of the house of God in the house of God. Why do I say that? Because that consecrated host is the actual body of Jesus Christ, according to Roman Catholicism. And they put it in that tabernacle, put the light on, uh, just as this tabernacle had a cloud over it that was a burning inferno at night and a cloud by day. So this tabernacle was lit up and the spirit of Yahweh uh, dwelt in this physical tabernacle in in back in Sinai and uh, under this old covenant as a way to maintain the life of the children of Israel for the 490 years it would take uh, to get to the Messiah, to make the change in this covenant that we read about in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to what you see on this chart, not according to the covenant that I gave their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. It's Yahweh who brought them by the hand uh, through the divided waters of the Red Sea and gathered them at this mountain and then spoke to them. And the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, and he lamented that, and he fixed the fact that they broke it. Uh, Jerry, uh, I hope you're back in Romans uh, 8th chapter. And... Uh, and, and start that one again. And, and we're going to just conclude this because this is important because we're going to talk about this sonship uh, degree. And we're going to talk about Pentecost and we're going to talk about who you are under the new covenant. And it's significant and it's important for you to know that and not walk around thinking that because you can keep this 10 commandment law, you're uh, a good child of God. You are in no way a child of God because of your ability in your mind to keep this 10 commandment law to the best of your ability. Uh, Jerry, please. Romans eight and one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. This is a great mystery to Christianity, that there's a law of the spirit of life in Yahshua, the Messiah, and that there's a law of sin and death. And let me just add this to you. There's also something called spirit law. And spirit law is the operation of Yahweh's uh, in this entire, that by according to this pattern, in the entire creation. And so animals go by spirit law. We call it the law of nature, but nature's law is the power uh, of the uh, attributes of Yahweh operating through this physical creation. And everything, this top of this chart goes, Elohim, the archetype, original pattern of the universe. And our moderation says everything goes according to this tabernacle pattern. And that tabernacle pattern is spirit law operating in everything in this creation. But the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua, the Messiah, that's the law of the son of Yahweh himself described uh, uh, by the divine nature 
that Paul talks about Romans 1, 19 and 20. That's uh, the law of the spirit of life. And that's in Yahshua, the Messiah. Now, Linda, read me uh, 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 four, three and four of 1 John. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So now who, whoever transgresses the law, uh, whoever commits sin transgresses the law. That's the way it was set up under Moses, that if you broke the law, uh, you committed a sin. And sin is a transgression of the law. Now, read five. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Now, these are two points that uh, uh, John says we know, but the world doesn't know that. But you know who knows it? The sons of Yahweh knows this uh, because it's been revealed to them. And it says here, and you know that he, Yahshua, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him, Yahshua, is no sin, which is why you read in Romans uh, 8th chapter that uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Yahshua the Messiah, not with Yahshua the Messiah. This is exceedingly important because the world believes that Jesus Christ left. We're not with him right now, and he's going to come back, and we're going to dwell with him on this earth, I guess maybe for a thousand years or something. I don't know how that whole thing goes, but they have this concept that Jesus is going to come back in a cloud just the way he left. They think he left in, in a physical body. He's coming back in a physical body. They saw the disciples were with him during his three and a half years of ministry, and they expect to be with him on earth uh, in a new kingdom, uh, laying down with lions and lambs and all this other kind of stuff. This is all uh, not the operation of Yahweh's purpose in the spirit. Now, in Romans, uh, uh, the eighth chapter, uh, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Yahshua the Messiah. And the transgression of the law, this law of Moses, yielded condemnation. And Yahweh said this in Jeremiah, I'm going to give them a new covenant. I'm going to put it in their heart and they shall be my people and I shall be their Elohim. And right. they will not transgress that law that is in their heart. They will transgress a law of carnal ordinances that is spoken to them that is not a part of them. Uh, just like you can have a law to go 55 miles an hour and if it's not in you, you're doing 65 or 70. That's just the way that it is. And you'll pay the fine and move on. Uh, so these covenants are extremely important to understand the difference between. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things. Uh, and uh, uh, then I'm going to move into the 14th chapter of John. Because uh, this uh, idea of the sons of Yahweh that we speak about here in uh, the third, uh, first John, the third chapter are going to be uh, uh, shown their development in uh, the 14th chapter of John. So someone grab that and hold it. But uh, I want to say something about this, um, this Yahweh Elohim for a moment here. This chart is uh, a depiction of 
a lot of things that are actually written in your Bible. So for instance, it's written in your Bible that Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and he had a 40-day vision uh, uh, that included the six days of creation uh, that included the structure and function of the tabernacle pattern. Uh, there's another instance where Moses goes up into the mountain and uh, has another 40-day vision. And uh, uh, this vision is the genealogies and the operation of the purpose and the mystery of iniquity, the, the devil. In other words, you read that uh, in uh, that Satan was cast down into the earth. And Moses saw that uh, in his vision, as well as John reporting it in his vision. And so uh, the all of Genesis, uh, and if you go to your Bible, you Christians who say you believe in the Bible, you go to the Bible, it says the first book of Moses called Genesis. And uh, I think that that's the way they describe it in uh, Judaism as well. Uh, Moshe 1, Moshe 2, Moshe 3, uh, that way. In other words, Moses' books. Uh, uh, Moses saw the Genesis in a vision and had it written down. Listen, when Yahweh Elohim in Genesis 1-1 said, uh, uh, the spirit of Yahweh moved upon the face of the water and Yahweh Elohim said, let there be light and there was light. Who did he say it to? That was the earth was without form and shape. There were no plants. There were no dolphins. There were no eagles. There were no uh, uh, apple trees. There were, there, were, there were no fish. There was no man. There was just the earth without shape and form. And Yahweh Elohim said, let there be light. Who did he say that to? You understand? And what the world missed completely, completely misses this, is that uh, Yahweh Elohim, in a vision, a panoramic vision, it's written up here on this chart, revealed the Genesis to Moses, and Moses had it written down. Moses had uh, uh, Noah's Ark written down uh, from seeing it by Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh Elohim uh, uh, reviewed to Moses the ages and dispensations, including uh, the fall of Adam, uh, who was around? What did Adam keep a journal? Was he journaling? At, was Adam journaling and then people were keeping? No, that's not what happened. Moses got this in one fell swoop or two fell swoops, if you would, two these large visions that he had. And subsequently, every prophet had a vision of Yahweh Elohim in order to say what was said. Nothing was left up to man's vote. Nothing was left up to man getting together with men trying to figure out what's going on and then dictating that as to being from God. It was always by a vision. Uh, and so when it came time for the Messiah to be born, lo and behold, it was by a vision uh, that uh, the angel appeared to Joseph and said, call his name Yashua. Uh, 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 the idea that Mary was uh, uh, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit wasn't something someone saw. It was reported to uh, Joseph in a vision because Joseph found his wife pregnant. 
or his betrothed wife. They weren't even married yet, but he was betrothed to her and she was pregnant. He didn't get it. He didn't know. He thought she was an honest woman, thought she didn't do anything bad. And I'm not going to have her stoned, which would have been uh, the result of her having intercourse and having uh, committing uh, the sin of fornication uh, prior to marriage, someone without her husband, she would have been stoned to death. And uh, Joseph said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put her away quietly. And I'm just uh, doing this quickly because I see time is, is running out from where I want to go. But so, uh, 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 the spirit uh, uh, of uh, Yahweh by an angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, don't worry about the situation that Mary's in. She's been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. This overshadowing by the Holy Spirit, I want to work with a little bit because the, the fact that Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, you understand, by the Holy Ghost, means that the son she bore was not the son of her flesh and was not the son of Joseph's flesh. And I want you to know that the son you are has been born of the spirit and not of your mom and dad's flesh. And to understand this idea of being born of the spirit, and John uh, Messiah talks about it with John and uh, the third chapter of John, and we're going to get that. So someone put a finger in there as well. We're going to learn about this being born again, because we're talking about a son and no one understands in Christianity how you are a son of God. That's why they say you're one of the children of God. And they just, I don't know what they think. They just think that God loves you. And now you're going to go to heaven and like a little child. And then they put you up in heaven. Uh, as a child. It's just, uh, this is a spiritual operation. Now, in order to make the point of this spiritual operation, in order to make the point of Moses having had this vision of the six days of creation and his subsequent vision of the genealogies and the operation of the mystery of iniquity and all these things that Moses had dictated to be written in the book that you call Genesis. Moses even saw his own birth. Moses saw himself in the uh, ark of bull, uh, 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 ark that was placed in the bulrushes and saw himself being drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter. He saw all of these lineages uh, in uh, this vision, these series of visions that he had. And so Moses didn't know anything about this stuff when he was down in Egypt. And so uh, uh, and down in Egypt, in order for them to get out of Egypt, there had to be a death of a lamb, a lamb without spot and blemish. And look at on this chart, and we just talked a little bit about this in another class. There's a tent in the bottom of this chart next between the uh, Noah's Ark and between uh, the door where uh, uh, they put the blood on the door in that black spot. And in that tent, you have Joshua, you have Aaron, and you have Moses. And that is supposed to uh, indicate that it is Joshua who described to Moses and Aaron about taking this lamb out and this Passover. They got that information from Joshua, the son of Nun, take a lamb out. That uh, And Joshua 
in a sense, uh, uh, acted as a prophet uh, to um, Moses and Aaron. Uh, and, uh, uh, and he didn't get, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not get this by vision. Joshua, the son of Nun, is the vision of Yahweh made flesh. And so therefore, he's speaking first person to uh, Moses and Aaron. And Moses kind of gets this, you understand? Uh, and he gets it later on. But my point is this that uh, he's instructing them to take out a lamb and you put four points of blood on the door of that house that they're in. You consume the lamb and the death angel comes over. And because you have the blood on your door, uh, your firstborn is not killed. Uh, and uh, But Pharaoh, who did not get this information, had his firstborn killed. There was a great darkness. There was great uh, uh, pain, etc. And those people, and uh, they essentially kicked the Israelites out of Egypt and got them to the Red Sea. But what I want you to see is uh, over next to the word Egypt there where uh, Sharon was working with Yahshua on the cross. He's the door. And so you have the door there. There are four points of blood, hands, uh, nailed hands, and now feet, crown of thorns. Uh, he's got the four points of blood on the door. And so uh, this death of Yahshua, the Messiah, had to occur, now listen, for you to become a son of, uh, I'm going to say it like this, because the, uh, the, this is the key, for you to become a son of Yahshua, you understand, because as uh, this physical body that Yahshua uh, uh, appeared uh, to Israel, uh, in uh, the time that he's fulfilling, that was uh, direct, directly from Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh Elohim, the Holy Spirit himself, overshadowed Mary and placed within her uh, a fertilized uh, egg, if you would, of the Spirit. Uh, and that fertilized egg of the Spirit was transmuted into the flesh in the womb of Mary and she just the gestation what she whatever those 40 weeks she uh, was the body within which that uh, this body took on shape and form and when this body was born through the loins of the Virgin Mary uh, the Holy Spirit was breathed into uh, this body. And now you had walking amongst Israel, a physical body uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And they've confused many things because of this state. And uh, because of this state, all they could see was the physical body. They never saw the spirit in the body. So all of their ideas, etc., came from uh, looking at this physical body. Now, this physical body of Yahshua the Messiah, uh, we're going to read some things about it. Uh, let's go over to uh, uh, the third chapter of John first. Then we're going to go to the 14th chapter of John. But now let me just say one thing before we start reading that. What you see here in Egypt, and this is a profound thing that Dr. Kinley said, and it really is significant that uh, mankind understands some of these things, that this uh, death of this lamb in Egypt uh, was required to get Israel, particularly Moses, uh, who led them 
out of the land of Egypt, through the divided waters of the Red Sea, and into the wilderness of Sinai. Because Yahweh had to get Moses into the wilderness of Sinai in order to get him at the top of this mountain to give him these visions. And the vision up there at the top of this mountain to Moses was the vision of the Genesis. And what this chart tells you in manifestation is that the exodus of Moses and the children of Israel comes before the Genesis that you see at the top of this mountain with respect to the operation of Yahweh's purpose through Israel. Yahweh worked with Israel in Egypt and went through that death uh, uh, of that lamb and got them into the holy place or into the wilderness of Sinai. And then the Genesis was revealed uh, to Moses by a vision. And so Dr. Kinley said that, that you had to have an exodus before you had a Genesis. And everybody thinks that doesn't make sense because Genesis is the first book of the Bible. But let's just go over into John, the third chapter. Start at one. John three and one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except Elohim be with him. Yahshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. Now, here's what uh, this confession that Nicodemus made, that we know you're da-da-da-da-da. Here's the Messiah's response. He, he jumps right into the train of thought, the Messiah does. He doesn't even deal with this confession and all that, that we know that thou art, thou art a son of Yahweh. He jumps right into this with Nicodemus and says, you must be born again. Now, listen. The way that you physically were born was that there was an exodus from your father of his sperm before there was a genesis of you coming forth as a child. There had to be a death, uh, 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 an exodus of that sperm. And there's thousands, millions of sperm that die uh, in the operation of fertilization of an egg until a single sperm gets in and causes that egg to be fertilized. And that's what you see down here. The sea, these, these children of Israel who go through the Red Sea uh, are those many sperm and Moses uh, up in the top of this mountain uh, uh, is penetrating into the spirit, you understand? And he's conceiving of these visions and having them written and Moses in Moses's understanding of of Joshua the son of Nun and the operation of Yahweh's purpose so he was born again here but now here's what John says or the Messiah says to John you must be born again read on uh uh, uh Jerry verse four Nicodemus saith unto him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yahshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So now here's what he says to him, that you must be born again, you must be born of water and of the spirit. And then he says that which is flesh is flesh, and that's what's born with wa born of water. And you know there's a breaking of water that indicates that child is going to be born. This is not off-the-cuff stuff. This is what you know happens. Israel was born through the divided waters of the Red Sea. When though that Red Sea parted, that was a breaking of those waters. You understand, and Israel uh, came on through those waters. And so there's a, a birth into this uh, new uh, place, the wilderness of Sinai, and they are to become a new people. They are going to become the children of, of Yahweh, uh, according to the manifestation uh, given this covenant. They're going to have a new way of living according to those 613 ordinances and 10 commandment laws and all these things. And yes, they couldn't keep it. Uh, but it was Yahweh's purpose, every bit it was Yahweh's purpose to raise Pharaoh up. This is a manifestation, not the reality. And so Yahweh would not have them keep the manifestation, or then the manifestation would be sufficient. And Yahweh knows the manifestation is not sufficient. It is simply a reflection. So he gives it to him as a reflection, and yet protects them with this tabernacle pattern to keep them from dying all the way through, uh, if they were obedient to this law, they would have that self-same protection. Uh, and, and for those 1,490 years. Now comes the time of the Messiah, and he says to John, the Messiah came to fulfill this covenant, not to institute it. And we don't have time, but in the third chapter of John, it starts out, uh, or third chapter of Matthew, Matthew 3 and 1 starts out, and in those days, uh, uh, John comes to Yahshua, and those days are the days that are uh, uh, prophesied in Jeremiah, behold, the days will come when I will make a new covenant. The Messiah being baptized by John the Baptist, and you have it on this chart, uh, just up above the crucifixion there, is the uh, initiation of the ministry of the Messiah. And, and so his ministry was to fulfill this old covenant, not to institute the old covenant. And so this body that he came in to fulfill this uh, uh, old covenant had to be a body that would be a sacrifice. Why? Because there was a sacrifice of a lamb and blood on a door at the institution of this old covenant. And so at the end of it, because the end is declared from the beginning, uh, there's gonna have to be a sacrifice of the lamb, not a lamb, you understand? And that blood has to go on the door not Ador. And so that's where we stand. So now the Messiah says to Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And this Messiah coming at this time to fulfill this covenant and to bring forth the new covenant, which occurred on the day of Pentecost, was a spiritual covenant. Now, uh, read on here in the third chapter of John. Verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. The, 
Thou cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, he's talking about being born of the Spirit. And start that again, uh, Jerry. Seven, marvel not that I said, I said unto thee, he must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Now, so he's talking about the spirit here. He says, the wind blows where it lists, and you can't tell where it comes from, and you can't tell where it goes to. And the same is such with the spirit. What does that mean? So when you uh, uh, experience the wind blowing, the significance of that, and particularly in a hot day, if the air is still, you're not aware of the air, you're just aware of the heat. But as soon as a wind comes, you know the air is there. You can't see the air. You can't see it when it's not moving by the wind. And you can't see it when it is moving by a wind. But when it is moving by a wind, you can see the action of that that you can't see as it stands still. And that's the spirit of Yahweh, that we live, move, and have our being within. And the manifestation is this air, this atmosphere that we live in. And you sit in your chair in the still of your house and look over at a wall and you can see the wall and you can see where you're sitting, but you can't see the air between you and the wall. Scientifically, we know it's there because we're pretty smart about breathing oxygen and we know the contents of it, hydrogen and uh, uh, argon and things of that nature. But we still can't see it. You cannot see that. It just can't see it. Uh, and it's invisible. But as soon as uh, the fan goes on, you can feel it and you know it's that air pushing you. You understand you are made aware of it once it's moving. And this uh, uh, idea of this motion of spirit, when Yahweh himself, who is that spirit, that still air that you can't see, when Yahweh himself decides to take on motion uh, and move into this shape and form of Yahweh Elohim uh, that you see at the top of this mountain. That is Yahweh's creative motion. And Dr. Kinley said it like this, that Yahweh, when he created Yahweh Elohim, he went out of the creating business. It's not that Yahweh's not a creator. He is a creator, but Yahweh is a creator of creators. And this creator that he, Yahweh, created now is the motion of, of the purpose that Yahweh has declared within himself. And so Moses comes to the top of this mountain in this cloud, a burning inferno at night, a cloud by day, and lays back on this rock as it's depicted here. And all of a sudden, the motion picture goes on. And you go and you see these motion pictures all the time. And they were called motion pictures because it made still things look moving. And it, to this day, that's how motion pictures work. They make still things look like they're moving because they trick your eye into thinking that uh, there's no space between one step and another. And we understand how that is. And so Yahweh Elohim is the movement of Yahweh. But in fact, Yahweh Elohim is the spirit of Yahweh. Uh, and he's the spirit of Yahweh uh, uh, in movement or in the ability for you to see. Now, the, uh, so the Messiah talks about that in, in John to Nicodemus, and he's going to talk about this 
to the disciples in the 14th chapter of John. And so uh, uh, we're going to go to the 14th chapter of John because I got about 10 minutes and I'm giving myself an extra three minutes because we started late. <laughs> I'm telling you guys up front. Uh, 14th chapter of John. Let me get there because I don't know where we want to go with this. I'm still working with the son and that you're a son. And I'm trying to get you to understand that you are a son of Yahweh the same way that Yahshua was a son of Yahweh. I'm talking about the spirit now that Yahweh uh, took on that shape and form. There was Yahweh, when he took on that shape and form in that state, that was a decrease for Yahweh because that's uh, Yahweh's salvation. Out of all that Yahweh is, uh, he's expressing his salvation, this singular point. He's not expressing other stuff that he could express. That's within Yahweh's uh, uh uh, substance and source, but right now the focus is uh, Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua. That's what can be known of Yahweh, not the entirety of Yahweh, and I don't have time to go into these details now, not the entirety of Yahweh, but this specific action of Yahweh, this specific purpose of Yahweh, this specific part of Yahweh, which is his salvation in all its glory of long-suffering and uh, uh, patience and love that he talks about, uh, uh, the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua, the Messiah. He's talking about that salvation in Yahweh Elohim, and this Yahweh Elohim is Yahshua, the Messiah, or the Christ, or the Savior. And when Yahshua spoke and said, before Abraham was, I am, he was telling uh, Israel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and back there, that he is this Yahweh element. They didn't catch it, and the world still hasn't caught it. But now in the 14th chapter of John, uh, uh, we're uh, at the point where the Messiah is still in this physical body, and uh, he is going to make a transition. The world has missed this transition. Sharon pointed this transition out by showing you this body on the cross and the dove at the top of the cross, showing you that there is a spirit that uh, or the gave up the ghost. There is something in this body that left this body uh, at this crucifixion. And what uh, came out of the tomb uh, was what left the body because this flesh that you carry around is a tomb uh, and inside that tomb is a spirit. And uh, this, uh, uh, we are following the same paths and we are becoming sons the same way that Yahweh brought forth Yahweh Elohim as his son and that Yahweh Elohim brought forth this physical body that could be made manifest to Israel to fulfill that covenant as his uh, son in the flesh and Yahweh worked through Yahweh Elohim as the motivating force or the consciousness of that spirit embodiment we call Yahweh Elohim and Yahweh Elohim works through that physical body of Yahshua the Messiah on that uh, before, during his ministry the same way that the spirit of Yahweh works through the son Yahweh Elohim. It's all a repeat. It's all the same thing. So we're going to find out that we are going to be born of Yahshua. He's our advocate. He is the mediator. And we are a son of Yahshua in him. 
and we many members make up his one body and it's the spirit of Yahweh working through Yahshua and it's the spirit of Yahshua working through us under the dictates of the spirit of Yahweh. And this is the delineation of the operation of Yahweh's purpose. And because we are in Yahshua, in the Son himself, and the Son knows the Father, we know the Father every bit as well as uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim does. But uh, I will say this about that real quick, and it's in the last part of the third chapter of 1 John, is that it is not yet clear to us what we will be, but it will be made manifest to us uh, when we take off this flesh. And we will have the same uh, eyesight. The veil will be rent in twain between the most holy place and the holy place, and we will see uh, him as he really is. Now, in the 14th chapter of John, uh, you have... The Messiah saying, uh, um, I'm going to have to read this. So just let me do this because I don't have time to pause, etc. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the commandments he gave them were not the Ten Commandments. He said, I will give you a new commandment. Love uh, uh, your brethren as you love yourself. Uh, and then love Yahweh as you love your brethren. So the new commandment is the spirit of life in Yahshua, the Messiah, which is the love that Yahweh had when he uh, laid down his life by taking on that shape and form of Yahweh Elohim. That's why Yahweh Elohim is described, or Yahshua is described as being in the bosom of the Father. That's where the heart is, and that's where we identify love being. And Yahweh so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. This is a love story. And so this law of the spirit of life, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, which are those commandments of love. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter who will be with you forever. Forever. Remember that old covenant is temporary. We had that. And I, I identified that temporary nature of this old covenant. Yahshua, the Messiah appearing in this physical body is temporary. This is the last time he is appearing in the flesh for forgiveness of sins. He's not doing it again. He will not be crucified another time. And so if you deny this operation, there is no hope for you because you are denying your only salvation. And if you embrace these 10 commandments that have been moved out of the way, they will have no power to give you life uh, under this age and dispensation. So here comes Joshua. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter uh, and he shall uh, be in you, uh, and I will not leave you comfortless. That's why in the in the uh, uh, our, uh, in the day of Pentecost uh, in the upper room, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Remember, we talked about that wind in the third chapter of 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 uh, of John. How that's the creative motion. That's the knowledge of the invisible Yahweh being made manifest. That wind lets you know the air is there. So in that upper room, there had to be uh, a mighty rushing wind. As much as there was a mighty rushing wind that opened that Red Sea and allowed them to know that Yahweh was their salvation. That creative motion tells you who is your salvation and it describes to you the invisible the presence. It makes clear to you the presence of the invisible. Yeah, I'm going to take two more minutes. I will come to you in a little while. The world sees me no more uh, because I live. You will also live. And, and he goes on uh, to say that, uh, uh, well, let me, uh, 
he that loves me is loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest to him. That's the 21st verse. And uh, he goes on, if you love me, you will uh, keep my words and uh, my father uh, uh, will love him and we will come to him. In other words, uh, when we become that part of him. Uh, and then he says, the comforter, this is 26, who is, I said, who is the Holy Spirit whom the father, Yahweh, will send Yahweh Elam, because he already did it up there in the cloud, as you see, took on that shape and form. That's the sending of this covenant to Yahweh, when Yah uh, to the world, when Yahweh took on that shape and form. Uh, we'll send him in my name, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things back to your remembrance. Now listen, and then I'm done. This wind, this creative motion, this uh, spirit of Yahshua in you, uh, the world can't see it any more than Nicodemus in his ignorance could see and understand what the Messiah said to him in the third chapter of John. Uh, but Yahshua was uh, 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 giving this witness to Nicodemus because, in fact, Nicodemus was uh, one who would eventually receive the Holy Spirit. He had the witness in him from that experience with the physical man, Yahshua uh, 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 the Messiah. And for you to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to have a similar experience. You have to have the truth of your creator uh, preached to you with detailed witnesses out of the law and the prophets and the creation. And that is the Messiah coming to you in the flesh. And he comes to you in that flesh, those witnesses, you understand. And then when it's revealed to you in your heart, now that's the spirit of that flesh and the world can't see that. And so when you try to explain, like Sharon tried to explain to her niece about aspects of this gospel, uh, they just can't see it for the flesh. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees could not see that the Messiah was who he said he was when he said before Abraham was, I am. And so we are made uh, sons the same way that Yahweh brought forth this son uh, back there in the very beginning. It's just a, a, like Abraham begot Isaac and Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the children of Israel. And so we are the children of Yahshua. Uh, we are the sons of Yahshua. Uh, and so with that, I turn it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank, you. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class, and we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And we will now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.